talking about. I'm not talking about being corrected. This is not what I'm talking about. This is kind of what I'm talking about, okay? This reminds me of Wyoming because I'm from the city. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised, okay? I almost started singing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song there for a second. But I was, uh, I'm, I've never seen this before. So when you think of stopping, think of going into nature and just enjoying life. The cell phones are off, life has just stopped, and you're here. And you're, you're having moments of thought, of clarity, you're, you're, you're relaxing. Anytime I'm by a lake or by a river, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Don't think of this. This is where I live. This is Nashville, okay? Always going, always moving, always constantly going and going and going and going. So don't think of that, okay? Because that's not what we're talking about. Because if you keep going, if you keep moving, if you keep going and going and going, first off, a lot of things happen. Anxiety happens because you're always going to forget something and you're going to get paranoid about the thing you can't remember. My wife will tell you that I do that often. But you keep going and you keep going. It does things to your body. It does things to your mind. It also, as we're going to see later on, affects your spiritual well-being. Because when you keep going, and I believe we talked about this a couple of times in the uh, span of two or three weeks, if you keep going, and I think Ms. Karen said it really well in class this morning, you start thinking about other stuff that doesn't relate to what's the important stuff. And so I'm going to go on and say this now. If you're going to have lunch afterwards, don't tune me out. Because this is, I'm telling you, I, I hope this is something that benefits us all. Um, and by the way, I'll be honest with you, I've done it. I've been there, done that. My mind will wander during a sermon. Harold, if you're listening, I'm apologizing now. But, like, it, it does. Because our minds are just tuned to keep going. But there's benefits to stopping. See that chair? Nice segue there. So there's a benefit of stopping. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of benefits of just taking time to relax. And one of my favorite things to look at is that for me, um, I have an associate's degree in psychology. It's one of the things that I really enjoy doing. It's one of the really things that I really enjoy looking at. Benefits of, you know, mental health. Like what are, what are things that mental health we can study from? and stuff of that nature. And so I still wanted to incorporate that into this sermon. So if you think about this, there are benefits of stopping. One of the big ones that I saw is that when you take time to relax, it restores your mental energy. It makes your mind clearer, if you will. It makes your mind almost like the clouds go away. You know the song, I can see clearly now the rain is gone, that kind of thing. That's what that reminds me of, is that our minds, if we continually think, will get clouded, and our judgment becomes a little more cloudier, and things start to not click the way that they should. And so when we stop, those benefits happen. Other benefits that I think are really interesting is that if you relax more often and you kind of take a break from stuff, you add years to your life. Scientifically, it's proven that your heart, when you constantly go, will um, act, will be more active. 
And so that leads to more heart attacks and more cardiac arrest and so on and so forth. And so when you take time to relax, when you take time to stop, your heart has those opportunities to kind of reset itself, which adds to years of your life, right? And so one of the things that I think is very interesting is that, you know, I personally would like to be with my wife as long as humanly possible, as the Lord allows. But I can't do that because I keep working and keep going and keep going and keep going. And I've already had two heart attacks and I'm 28 years old. And they rely they relay it to being constantly active. My heart was doing way too much and it kind of just gave out. And so those are things, and see, like what I said earlier, I am not the one to be talking about this because my heart has already said enough of this stuff and started messing up. But there are benefits to stopping. So let's look at Matthew chapter, 20, uh, or Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they uh, do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they, are you not much more important than they? And which of you, being by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? Right there. And why are you worried about clothing? Notice that the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. One of my favorite sayings from Jesus. Do, you, do not worry then, saying, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So think about that. Think about what Jesus is saying here, okay? He's saying, stop worrying. <laughs> he's, like, he's saying, just, you know, there's not anything that you can do that's going to make things any better because God is already going to provide. God is going to allow, is going to help you get through the times and the things that you need. Notice the word I use there, the things that you need. Not so much the things that you want, but the things that you need, okay? And so Jesus is saying, you know, that there are times where, why are you worrying? Why are you trying to do all this extra stuff to make your clothes look good, to get the extra food that you need, or not need, it'd be the extra food that you want? Why can't you just allow God to provide what you need? Because there are things in, this, in nature that we see that God provides for. And I love what he says about the lilies. He says, do you realize that there is nothing that Solomon, the richest man in the whole world of all time, there is nothing that he can buy. There's no extra work that he can do. There's no extra things that he can do that makes him look better than the natural order of a lily. And to me, that's cool. Because if you look, if you read uh, about Solomon, his splendor was greater than all of the world. 
but still a lily is better and more beautiful than anything in the world. Why? Because God made it, God clothed it, and anything God makes is perfect. So there's nothing that Solomon could have done that was going to be more beautiful than the already made lily that God provided. And he's saying, don't worry. And here's the thing, in America, we worry. That's what we do. It's like our M.O. We love to worry. But we worry about stuff that we have no control over. We we, we worry and we constantly think and we panic over things that just doesn't matter in the great scheme of things. And then the things that we do worry about, if we stood back and thought about it, if we stopped and thought about it, we would think that maybe God has a will for us there. Maybe God will provide for something there, you know, because I, and I'm guilty of this, y'all. Like, I am really bad at this. I like being in control. I like having control. And I have to work on this but more than probably anybody in this room. It's the fact of when I sit down, I have to stop and think, okay, this is out of my hands, right? This is something that I just can't control, and I'm going to let God take the wheel. I know really cliche on the song title, but it's still the point is we have to let God just do his thing because his thing is a lot better than ours all the time, every time. I love this from Isaiah 40. This is probably one of my favorite verses of all time. And Mr. Larry read verses 28 through 31. This is just verse 31. It says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Notice what the word at the very first sentence is. It says, wait, a.k.a. stop. If you wait on the Lord, if you wait on something to happen that God will provide, notice what happens. Notice the benefits. You gain new strength. You will run and not get tired. You will walk and not become weary. Why? Because you have new energy. You have a new thing about you saying that, you know what? I can't control anything. I'm going to wait on God's uh, miraculous thoughts and his miraculous timing, and I'm going to trust that God will provide. Here's the thing. When we try to take things into our own hands, you ever notice that things kind of just go south quick? Because we think we know better than God. We've all done it. You know, we, 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 we don't say we're better than God, but we've all made decisions that we didn't stop and think about. And then when we make those rash decisions, nine times out of ten, they wreck, right? And that's what this is saying, that if you wait on the Lord, if you wait on His timing, which we've talked about before, you'll gain new strength because you'll have new energy, because you're not constantly worrying about the things you don't have anything to do with. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. If you've never seen an eagle fly, it's probably the most majestic thing in the world. I've seen it in person. It's gorgeous. And it's saying you're going to be able to do that. Why? Because you're going to be lighter. You ever notice that your problems bog you down? Mine do. My energy starts to go. Things start to happen because I try to make decisions for myself. And when I do that, I say, you know what, God? I know you're busy. I got this. And then all things go crazy at that point. When last year, I had 
three jobs in the span of four months. I moved to four different states because I was making decisions for myself. This was the job here in Wyoming that I actually stopped and I considered. As in, like, I stopped and talked to people who were smarter than me. And I was like, is this what I need to be doing? Because I was ready to walk away from journalism. I was ready to walk away because I thought I was done. But then this was the one where I stopped, reconsidered, and I talked to people, and I prayed about it, and I was like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I feel like I made a right decision. However, the other thing that I'm going to say is, and Christine can attest to this, when I forget that I made that decision, I get mad because I'm from the city. I'm not used to slowed down situations. I'm not used to small towns. It still blows my mind that Nashville has 1.5 million people in it, and y'all don't even have 400,000 in the state. That throws me. So like stuff like that, I kind of remind myself that I made this decision in a slower process than just rational. And when I do that, I start to feel a little bit better about my life because I didn't have, the, the weight wasn't on my shoulders to make the decision. I'm fully content with letting, putting the weight on God's shoulders and letting him help me out. And I feel like that's something we all need to do. I love this in uh, Proverbs chapter 3. It says, My son, see that they do not escape from your sight, they being wisdom and discretion. Comply with sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life to your soul and an ornament to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. I love this part. Check this out. When, li- when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Okay? When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Man, I love that sentence too. Do not be afraid of sudden danger nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. <clears throat> For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see what he's saying here? You see what Solomon is saying here in the book of Proverbs? He says, when you lie down, if you, have, if you hold on to wisdom and discretion, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Why? Because you made decisions and you have discretion that was given to you by God. He says, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I have talked to most of you. We don't sleep enough. That's where you say amen. Of all the times, that's where the, the amen comes in. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Why? Because you're comforted. You know that the decisions that you made, you know that the things that you're doing are by God because you are consulting God. You're consulting wisdom, which Proverbs does really well of describing what wisdom is and how it works. Discretion. Something is something that I feel like I don't do enough of is enough discretion. When you do all of those things, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will have sweet sleep. You will not be afraid of sudden danger. Why? Because you're in God. You're holding on to wisdom. You're holding on to discretion. These things are something that we see all throughout Scripture is that if we hold on to these things, the other stuff doesn't really matter, you know? Like, it's just whatever happens, happens, because I have God, and I know that I have a heavenly view on an earthly dwelling. It's one of the things that I heard one time in a sermon, and I stole it, and I really like it. Because if you think about it, it's the truth. You know, if, if you look to God, the things on this earth kind of just don't matter. It just doesn't, because who cares? We're not, this ain't our home anyway. 
and so you'll lie down and you'll have a sweet sleep. You'll not be afraid. And here's the thing. With anxiety and with the things that, you, that I deal with, being afraid is something that happens constantly because I'm constantly in a fear of something. And again, if you think about what I was talking about earlier, it's a fear of absolutely nothing. It's just a fear that is in my mind. But if you look at these things and if you hold on to wisdom and if you hold on to discretion, then your sleep will be sweet and you won't be afraid. All right, the second B, balance. Now, all of that I said before is true, but let's also be honest, we have to work. We have to move. We have to constantly be doing, we have to be doing something or we wouldn't make a living. That's how life is. So you have to find the balance of stopping. First things first, wherever, whatever you will do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Ecclesiastes 9.10, and I had to steal it from the NLT version. Thank you, Mr. Larry. So do you catch what it's saying here? It says, whatever you do, do well. Do it to the best of your ability. When you work, do it to the best of your ability. Don't, you know, half anything. Because for when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Because there's going to be an ultimate stop and that's death. And when you get there, when you get to the grave, and you go, hopefully all of us get to heaven. That's the goal. But when we get there, there's going to be no work. There's going to be no planning. There's no wisdom. There's no knowledge. It just ends. But while we're on this earth, we do everything we do well. So when we get to the grave, it's just enjoyable in heaven. That's how I think about it. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village. We talked about this in our Wednesday night class. And a woman named Martha welcomed him in her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. But Martha, a.k.a. me, uh, it feels like when I read this, was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to the Lord, him, the Lord, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself? Then tell, uh, then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, I still love that part. You are worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. We talked about this in extent in our Wednesday night class. The point that I want to bring out is there's two different people. There's one that's worried about the work, and there's worried about the preparation, making things look good. I can almost read that verse and feel the anxiety coming from Martha because it's like, I've got, a, I've got Jesus in my house, okay? And so I'm going to make sure that everything's perfect. I'm going to make sure the flour's over here. I'm going to make the food and everything's great. And anybody who's cooked for a potluck, we all know that you're running around in different areas trying to get things ready. But then you have Martha's sister, Mary, who's sitting down. Another chair, another, another thought there. Is sitting down, listening to Jesus. Now, think about this. Which one's right? We talked about this, Remember? They're both right. 
because you are supposed to be preparing. You're supposed to be preparing for the guests. We talked about cultural and all that stuff. But then Mary's also right because she's listening to God. She's listening to Jesus. She's noticing that there is a time to stop, there is a time to wait, and there is a time to listen. And she's saying, and Mary's doing a great job here because she's making the point of, you know, yes, all the stuff around us is important, working, preparations, all that stuff is important, but when the moment is right and there's a moment that happens like this, you stop. You find the balance. Because if you don't find the balance, you're going to have something that happened to here. Where, where Jesus tells Martha, she's, he says, you're worried and you're distracted by many things. But the only thing that is necessary, Mary has chosen the good part. She's noticed that now is the time to stop and relax and listen. Last thing and we're almost done. Stopping for a break. Now, I work an eight-hour job, and one of my favorite moments is a break. Because if you ever sit at a desk for eight hours, you know what I'm talking about. Just, I don't like it. I want to get up, and I want to take a break, and I want to go somewhere and move. But there is a time that when we stop, we have to take a break. Okay? This is what I talked about earlier in the very beginning. We constantly go. That's what we do. That's the American way of thinking. Go, go, go until it's sleep time. And even then that doesn't matter because our brains keep going. So there is a time to take a break. Now, I had to talk, about, I had to, talk to a lot of people about this, and I almost didn't add this because, to be completely honest, I don't know how y'all are going to respond. But I have scripture to back it up. Mr. Dennis said if I did, I could run with it, so I'm going to. So it's Exodus. I'm an Old Testament person. I love the Old Testament. If you ever want to talk Old Testament, I'll be here all week. But in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it talks about the Sabbath, or the Sabbath, as some people pronounce it. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or female servant or the cattle or your resident who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them. And he rested, he stopped on the seventh day. For that reason, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then I just wanted to add this in here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, and so the heavens and the earth were completed and all their heavenly lights. But the se by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested. So, and he rested on the seventh day for all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because on it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Okay, so first things first. Do we have a Sabbath now? as in the scriptural sense. No, okay? When Jesus died on the cross, the Sabbath, all that was changed. However, I do want to make this, and this is where I get a little nervous. I do believe that we should have a Sabbath for ourselves. Because the idea of Sabbath is literally just to rest. That's what the word means. It means to stop and rest. 
So every single one of us should have a Sabbath. There should be a day or a moment or an hour or time that we set aside that is just to stop and rest. If it's good enough for God to do, we should do. Okay? Because if you think about it, even past this, in the New Testament, me and I believe uh, Dennis and Harold talked about this, if you look at Jesus' life, there are split moments where it says that he went away from his apostles and disciples and prayed or rested. It's like one sentence long, but he does it. Because Jesus knows the, uh, the, the fact that at some point, I've got I've to sleep. I've got to chill out. I've got to rest. Because if I don't, I'm going to get overwhelmed. Now, obviously, God doesn't get overwhelmed. But still, the point remains that he stops he rests. He had to. He, it, he made the whole day holy for the entire time in the Old Testament. And there are actually still, uh, we'll say, religious uh, organizations that still observe the Sabbath because they understand that that day, even though to them it's Saturday in most, cult, in most religions, there is still a t- point where you need to stop. You need to rest. You need to wait. You need to chill out. And if you don't, you're going to overwhelm. Your mind will get cloudy. All the things that we talked about earlier. But as we wrap this up, one question that I want to ask is, for those who are not Christians, is there rest, true rest? Think about that. As someone who just became a Christian last February, I had to sit down and think about this a hard time, a long time. Because... Before I became a Christian, I was in a constant panic. I was always worrying about something. Now, granted, I still have anxiety, but I can tell you it's very much different. So when you think about this, when was the last time you stopped? When was the last time you rested? When was the last time you took the cell phones away, you went to a place that we looked at at the very beginning in nature, and just stopped. Not only for health benefits, but think about the spiritual benefits. Because there was a friend of mine who told me that he had this thing called tag time, and it was time alone with God. Moments like that are important because of spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, all the reasons. Yes, we have to work. Yes, we have to, keep, we have to do the things we have to do. But let's not forget to stop. Because when we stop, there's a lot of benefits that come with it. I appreciate y'all so much for dealing with me, and I appreciate y'all listening. And we have one more song to sing, and so that means I'm not going anywhere. So... uh,